want to welcome you this morning to Be Free Community Church here in Alton. Uh, so glad that you are here with us. Uh, first off, I'll say Happy Mother's Day, um, and uh, what a what a great day, and love how Wendy framed that this morning. Um, and so we're glad that you're here with us um, this morning to to be a part of God's family, to be a part of what we're doing here. Um, for those of you who are regularly with us, you're probably expecting to see a very exuberant young man up here this morning. Um, our lead pastor, Ben Rule, and his wife, Olivia, are on vacation, a much-deserved and needed vacation, um, before they have their first baby, which is very exciting. Um, and after kind of a long stretch of, of Ben getting settled here and them doing some Amazing things. I don't know about you, but um, I marvel. Every day I'm always like, wow, where did this kid come from? And thank you, God. Amen. Wow, amen to that, right? Wow, did he? Yes. I mean, we prayed, and he answered our prayers tenfold, tenfold. And so I am grateful to them. We miss them dearly as they are on vacation, but we are so glad that they're getting some rest. Um, for those of you who don't know me, my name's Rob Oblinas. Um, here at Be Free, I do a myriad of things. Uh, elder, uh, help uh, lead worship um, in a home group, and uh, just kind of general whatever's needed. I helped hook up the speakers this morning, and um, I'm just so grateful to be a part of this church family, and I'm really glad that you're here with us this morning. Uh, for the last few weeks, um, Ben's been teaching out of Habakkuk. Um, which is in the Old Testament, so um, about the middle of the Bible. Uh, and it is a conversation that Habakkuk, who is a follower of God the Father, um, who is a prophet who hears from God, conversation that he has with God. And so I have the very uh, distinct privilege to be able to finish that up this morning. Uh, ben asked me a couple months ago, he knew he was going to be on vacation, and he knew where he was going to be in teaching, and he said, hey, Rob, would you finish this up? Um, I think this is perfect, because, because you're a leader of worship, and we're going to see this morning that Habakkuk in this last chapter uh, worships, um, and, and we're going to talk a little bit about how that, amazing that is, actually, uh, given the circumstances, um, and how rich that can be for us. So I'm very privileged to be able to be here with you this morning. Would you pray with me as we get started on this? God, we, um, I just want to worship you. Just so grateful for who you are. So grateful that you are Father, you are Son, you are Holy Spirit. You are all three in one. And that um, you love us so much. That you created us. You've saved us. God, you hold an eternity full of rich blessings for us when we die, as we put our faith in Jesus Christ. And so I'm grateful, God. And as we come this morning to Habakkuk and your word, God, what you have shared with us, I pray, God, that you would just be in our hearts and minds, that you would help us to hear see, understand more of who you are this morning. We're grateful, God, for just a good, good father. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So where are we? Where are we? Uh, if you've been following along, you know that Habakkuk has three chapters. 
Um, and the first two chapters, um, I'll give you a little download in case you weren't here with us. Um, here's what happens. Habakkuk is a prophet uh, among the people of Judah. And he looks around and he sees that God's people are just off the rails. Right? There's evil happening. Um, there is things people are doing inappropriately. And he looks around and, and he cries out to God and he says, God, please bring justice. Come fix this. Right? These are your people and look at where they are. Come and fix it. And so God replies back to Habakkuk and he says, okay, yes, I've heard you. I'm going to bring the Babylonians or the Chaldeans to conquer you and take you into enslavement. And Habakkuk goes, whoa, wait a second. God, that is not what I had in mind. I just wanted you to do a little correction, right? A little pat on the bum and say, here you go. Go this way, right? I don't want you to come and conquer us and enslave us with these people who are just terrible. I mean, he looked at Judah and, they, yes, they were doing wrong things, but then he looked at the people that God was sending and they, God describes them as just a terrible, torturous, unbelievable people. And so back is like, whoa, God, no, please. I thought we were your chosen people. Are you going to wipe us out? What's going on? I don't understand. That's not the way I would do it. And then God responds back to Habakkuk. And he says, I'm God. Don't you remember all the things that I have done for you? I won't forsake you. I won't let you go. I will keep you. And yes, I will bring this, and I'm going to bring correction, and I'm going to bring righteousness. But don't worry. I love you, and I will not let the Babylonians rule over you forever. I will take care of them. And he says it many times. He says, woe to the Chaldeans. Woe to the Chaldeans. Woe to the Chaldeans. For all that they will do, I will, I will put that right. I promise. And so Habakkuk is now sitting with two things that he's heard from God. He's heard, you're going to bring a people and conquer us and, and enslave us. And you promise that they won't rule over us forever. That you will bring your justice that you promised long ago. And so as he's holding on to these two things, what's Habakkuk going to do? Right? If we haven't read ahead... We think, okay, what, it's been a conversation so far, and God's the last one to speak. So what's Habakkuk going to say? How is he going to respond? And, and he's got some choices, right? Um, he could, could try to continue the conversation, plead with God, say, God, no, please don't do it this way. Let's do it this way. Right, God, God I'm going to keep praying. I'm going to keep praying. Um, he, could, he could say, all right, forget this, right? I'm out of here. Right? This, this doesn't make sense. Right, God? I, I, don't, I don't know if I buy into this. Um, or he could just say, oh, okay. Okay, God. Fine. I guess you're going to do it that way. So he's got some choices. And what we're going to do this morning is we're going to read what Habakkuk's response is. And then we're going to talk a little bit about this morning. So, Nicholas, if you would throw that up for me. A prayer of Habakkuk the prophet according to Shigiona. O Lord, I have heard the report of you and your work. O Lord, do I fear. In the midst of the years, revive it. In the midst of the years, make it known. In wrath, remember mercy. God came from Temin, 
and the Holy One from Mount Paran. His splendor covered the heavens, and the earth was full of his praise. His brightness was like the light. Rays flashed from his hands, and there he veiled his power. Before him went pestilence, and plague followed at his heels. He stood and measured the earth. He looked and shook the nations. Then the eternal mountains were scattered. The everlasting hills sank low. His were the everlasting ways. I saw the tents of cushion in affliction. The curtains of the land of Midian did tremble. Was your wrath against the rivers, O Lord? Was your anger against the rivers or your indignation against the sea when you rode on your horses on your chariot of salvation? You stripped the sheath from your bow, calling for many arrows. You split the earth with rivers. The mountains saw you and writhed. The raging water swept on. The deep gave forth its voice. It lifted its hands on high. The sun and moon stood still in their place at the light of your arrows as they sped, at the flash of your glittering spear. You marched through the earth in fury. You threshed the nations in anger. You went out for the salvation of your people, for the salvation of your anointed. You crushed the head of the house of the wicked, laying him bare from thigh to neck. You pierced with his own arrows the heads of his warriors, who came like a whirlwind to scatter me, rejoicing as if to devour the poor in secret. You trampled the sea with your horses, the surging of mighty waters. I hear, and my body trembles. My lips quiver at the sound. Rottenness enters into my bones. My legs tremble beneath me. Yet, I will quietly wait for the day of trouble to come upon people who invade us. Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, the produce of the olive fail, and the fields yield no food. The flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herds in the stalls. Yet, I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. God, the Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the deer's. He makes me tread on my high places. So what does Habakkuk do? He's faced with these two truths. He's been having a conversation with God. What does he choose to do? He chooses to worship. We think, wait, what? Worship? I mean, Wendy put it so well this morning. Right? When things are not going well for me, my first instinct typically is not to worship. Right? It's typically to continue to pray to God, to ask him to change things, to do something differently, to act in our lives, which are good things. Right? But Habakkuk chooses to worship God. Right? To put God up here. Um, where does he get this from? I mean, is this out of the blue? Is this, is this just only Habakkuk? Right? Is this the only story in the Bible where people are in times of trouble and they decide to worship? No. No. By far no. Um, let me give you a couple of examples. Uh, back when we started this series, Ben spoke out of Exodus 34. And Moses, a man of God, was having uh, a moment with God and God was, was giving um, Moses his instructions for his people. 
And he told Moses who he was. He says, this is who I am. And Moses, uh, in the New Living Translation, Exodus 34, 8, says, Moses immediately threw himself to the ground and worshipped. And in other places as well. Um, David, again, who Wendy talked about this morning, um, wrote Psalm 34. And uh, she did it great to remind you. David was in, uh, like, a terrible place. He had just come from a king that he was afraid of, not the king that was chasing him, another king. And he was afraid of what this king might think of him. People were starting to say, yeah, this is David. You remember this guy? Right? David's killed tens of thousands of people. And David's like, oh, how's this, how's this king going to respond? So he acts crazy. He has to resort to, like, drooling at the mouth and asking crazy so that the king thinks, oh, this can't be him. Get him out of my sight. And then, from there, he goes to a cave. Right? And he's living in a cave. Have you ever lived in a cave? <laughs> it's not where I would choose to live. In Psalm 34, I'll remind you what it says. We read it this morning, this morning verses 1 through 4. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord, and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. David worships. Moses worships. We see the story of Job, which is back a few chapters from where we are right now in the Bible, also in the Old Testament. And Job was a very prosperous man. And the book that bears the same name tells us that he had many children, many flocks, many servants. And then, one day, his servants start to come to him one by one. And the first servant says, uh, uh, Sir, sir, the Sabaeans came. They took your oxen and killed your servants. And then another one comes and says, A fire came down from the sky. And it consumed your sheep and killed your servants. And then it says that the Chaldeans, sound familiar? Right? The Chaldeans came, took your camels, Killed your servants. I was the only one left, and I'm here to tell you about it. So all his wealth is wiped out. And then it gets worse. Another servant comes to him and says, All of your children were gathered together, and they were sharing a meal together. And the house collapsed, and they're all dead. That's worse than living in a cave. And Job's response is this, chapter 1, verses 20 to 21. Then Job arose and tore his robe and shaved his head and fell on the ground and worshipped. And he said, naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked shall I return. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Why would these guys worship? They are amidst of circumstances that I can't even begin to imagine. Never experienced in my entire life. And so why would they worship when they know that God is still alive and working and he has not answered them? He has not acted in the way that they thought he should act? 
I don't think David was thinking, yeah, when I take over as king, I want to live in a cave. <laughs> I don't think Job was thinking, yeah, in my prosperous years, I want God to take it all away and kill my children. I don't think they would want these circumstances. But yet, they turn to worship. And they worship the God who has been trustworthy. And what does that do for them? What does the worship do in the midst of these times? It puts God in his rightful place. When we worship, whether our circumstances are wonderful, and we're having a great time, and things seem to be going well, or whether we're like these guys, when we worship, it puts God in his rightful place. It reminds us that God is a God who loves us unconditionally and wants the best for us despite our circumstances at the moment. Uh, I'll let you in on a little secret. Someone may have never told you this before, so I might be the first. And here it is. You are not God. Sorry. Right? I mean, we're not God. We are not Father. We are not Son. We are not Holy Spirit. We're His children. Right? He created us. He made us. We are His children. We're not Him. And so when we worship in the midst of all of these things, whether good or bad, we put God in His rightful place. We remember that it's not us who did these good things that are happening. We remember that it wasn't our fault, and, and, and God will, will redeem at some point us out of these terrible things. He promises that. Um, it reminds us, uh, I'm going to go forward, right? So we've been in the Old Testament, and in the New Testament, um, we understand Jesus came and died for us and was raised to new life, and we can put our faith and trust in him. And Paul, who was a, a servant of God, who followed Jesus in his own life, was able to write this. And I don't have it up here, so just listen to it. Paul responds this way. He went through all the troubles that we would see here. right? His friends, his family were being killed and wiped out because of their faith in Jesus Christ. And he wrote this in Romans chapter 8. And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Paul is putting God in his rightful place. And he's reminding himself in the Romans that God is a God from all eternity past to all eternity future. And that in the moment, our circumstances are temporary. And so both Habakkuk, Job, David, Moses, Paul, they're all great examples of God, uh, of people putting God in his rightful place. And it leads us to remember to worship in the midst of all times, good or bad.
Um, as I was preparing for this, I was talking with Ben and just kind of, um, you know, talking about perspective. And we went through all of Habakkuk. We studied it together. It was great. It was a wonderful time. And I was sharing with him, you know, how many times I have seen from up here what Habakkuk is talking about. Um, as, a, as a worship leader, I have the privilege to, to stand up here and, and as you guys worship, I have a chance to look out and see you worship. And many, many times, um, by, by just being in leadership with the church and, and knowing many of you personally, I know what you're going through. I know the circumstances of your life. And as Wendy pointed out pretty astutely, usually it's not all roses. And so I get to see God's people in the midst of those circumstances worshiping him and putting him in his rightful place. It is amazing. Um, as much as, as I hope I have been able to lead you in worship, you all have helped me understand more of who God is. <clears throat> and I'm, I'm going to give you some examples. And, and I've asked these people for their permission in order to share them with you. And I will try to do them without crying and ruining my shirt. But Ben cries all the time, so the stage is set, right? Um, I've seen people in the midst of their calamity worship God. Come here on a Sunday morning and put God in his rightful place. Even though their circumstances are terrible. Um, I think of Michael and Rebecca Joy. And, and a few years ago, um, Michael was looking at not having a job, losing his job, and not knowing how to provide for his family. And thinking, what God, what's next? Gosh, I don't, this totally seems to come out of nowhere. I've got a family, I've got kids at home, I've got a little one now. And they came faithfully each week to worship with us. And they trusted that God would give them what they needed. And I look out and I see families um, and men and women of faith like Ben and Ruth Kane. And in the midst of um, them losing, Ruth losing two sisters to cancer, brain tumors, they come here each week and they worship and they put God first. And I think of uh, Becky and Dale St. John. And I'll never forget the phone call. Or maybe, maybe we're in the dance studio. But Becky is, is staring down the barrel of going into surgery for breast cancer. And she says, I want to gather together with my brothers and sisters of Christ and I want to worship. And so we had a night where we gathered before surgery and she, she worshiped, we worshiped together. And she put God in his rightful place. Even though she didn't know the outcome. And so when I look out and I see these people, I have great encouragement. I see them do what Habakkuk did. And, and, and they literally have brought God's story into the 21st century. And they have taken what God has done for a long time. And they brought it to the here and the now. Right now. 
And if you're wondering how you continue in faith and continue to grow and understand who God is, then watch and learn from these people. I do. Every day. And that, trust me, I, and I will tell you, I will bear witness to the fact that I am better for it. I understand the God, Father, Savior, Jesus, and Holy Spirit more now than I did then, thanks to them. And so they worship, and Habakkuk worships, and Moses worships, and Paul worships, and David worships. And they put God in his rightful place. How does, how does, how does it work? Right? I mean, it's, it's easy to say, right? Worship and put God in his rightful place. Well, you know, I could stand up and say that a hundred times, and you probably still go, I don't quite know what that means. Well, thankfully, um, Habakkuk gives us a great example of what to do. And so let's go back and, and let's look on how we might go about worshiping in the midst of all circumstances to put God in his rightful place. Um, look at verse 5. Before him went pestilence and plague, plague followed at his heels. Habakkuk is, is remembering the plague that came through Egypt and how God um, brought his people out of Egypt, out of enslavement. And then he goes on in verse 7 and said, I saw the tents of cushion in affliction. The curtains of the land in Midian did tremble. He's remembering that for eight years Israel was handed over to King Cushan. And God brought deliverance for them in 40 years of peace. And in Midian, that God through Gideon, a man named Gideon, uh, saved them and redeemed them and brought them 40 years of peace. And so Habakkuk starts by remembering. He remembers. And he remembers what God has done for his people for thousands of years. Um, and so we too should remember. We should take moments to remember what God has done for us. And, and that looks a variety of different ways. Just a few examples is, is just coming to daily scripture, right, on your phone, um, wherever, uh, opening God's word and, and going through it little by little, and just daily seeing God's story through his word. Or, or journaling and remembering what God has done for you personally, right, recently. Or if you've journaled over a long time, I can't tell you how rich it is to go back and be like, oh my gosh, I can't, I forgot that that happened. Wow, God, did you act mightily in that situation? Or, or talk about it with your home group. Talk about what God has done even in the past week. Just remember, right? I can't remember what happened yesterday, let alone what happened last Monday or the week before that. So get together with some people and talk about it. Oh, yeah, God really came through. Thought I was going to get this job, but nope, it didn't work out. And that's cool. Like, God is who he is. We're going to continue to worship him. So we remember. Habakkuk remembers. And then we go down and, and we look at verse 10 through 11. 
and it says, The mountains saw you and writhed. The raging waters swept on. The deep gave forth its voice. It lifted its hands on high. The sun and moon stood still in their place. At the light of your arrows as they sped, at the flash of your glittering spear. And so Habakkuk first remembers what God has done, and then Habakkuk reveres God. He remembers, you are God and I am not. God, you do things and can do things that I cannot. And so we should revere God. We should we should think about things that he can do and we can't. And it, it puts us in a place of perspective. I don't know if uh, you remember last summer, um, a big solar eclipse happened, right? And everybody's like, don't look at the sun! Whatever you do, don't look at the sun! And then there was like every Facebook post about every popular person in the world who was like, oh, look at the solar eclipse, Right? But think about that. We can't look at the sun for more than one second without our eyes probably being destroyed. Right? And this says that the sun and moon stop for God as he comes through and shows his greatness. His spear. Right? The the sun and moon are like, whoa. Yep. Okay. I know why I'm here. And I know you put me here. And so we, too, must take time to revere God, right? The Bible talks a lot about the fear of God, and it's not, it's not, and then God also says, fear not, right? So it's, it's not a, like, um, oh, my gosh, I can never talk to God. It's, God, you are God. You are Father, your creator, and you still came down to save us in human form. We put God right there. And so go out and do something, you know, uh, there's no solar eclipse coming this summer, I'm sorry, right? But you could go out and you could go on a hike in this area. You could do something in nature. Nature always helps us understand how big God is and how small we are. Um, you could read, again, I'm going to come back to it. You read his word and the descriptions of who God is in his word are incredible, right? They help us to revere God. And then finally, Habakkuk rejoices. Um, one of the most, I think, um, yeah, it, it's very powerful. One of the most powerful things that we see. Um, he, he, Habakkuk rejoices. Read with me. Verses 17 and 18. Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines... The produce of the olive fail, and the fields yield no food. The flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls. They, have, they would have nothing if this actually happened. They would have absolutely nothing. And in verse, four, uh, verse 18, Habakkuk says, Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. And so Habakkuk remembers who God is. He reveres God and what God can do. And then he rejoices in a God that loves him. And he takes time to have joy and be with God and spend with God and express to God that yet, God, even though these things may come to pass, even though the Chaldeans will come and take us over, 
And even though you promised that you will, will let us prosper for eternity, but I don't see that happening right now, I will rejoice. And I will take joy in who you are. And so rejoice in the Lord. Delight in God the Father. Songs are wonderful for this. Right? We have lots of songs that we sing around here. Good, good Father. It is well with my soul. Simple choruses like, I love you, Lord. Right? Where we just have a moment to, to put our brains on pause and, and respond and take time to take joy in the Lord. Um, I have a good friend who I was talking with the other day, and in the midst of all his scurriness and, and craziness uh, at office, at work, and he said, I stood at the copier, and I just give thanks. Like, everything is around him. The ways he's, he's described his work environment, it sounds absolutely crazy and nutty on every day. And he said, I just stood at the copier, and I just said, thanks, God. Thanks for this. Thanks for that. Thanks for what you've done. Right? He rejoiced in the Lord. He took time to be with the Father, even though all around him was going nuts. Right? I think of those like office scenes on TV when papers just like rolling out of the copier, right? And you're like shaking the toner and then it explodes all over the place. Right? You just say, oh, you know, God, thanks. <laughs> thanks that I'm still alive. Thanks for being you. And so Habakkuk remembers the how, right? Habakkuk remembers who God is. He reveres God, and then he rejoices in God the Father. Uh, and as you look around this morning, conveniently, we're going to be able to do those exact three things together as God's family. Um, often, we come to the communion table as a church. You see those here in front of us this morning. And God tells us to do this. In his word, God tells us to take communion together, to remember what Jesus has done for us. And then we also have the opportunity to revere who God is, what God could do and we could not. We remember that Jesus went to the cross and died for us. And then we revere God because we couldn't do that. Right? We live in a broken world. We're broken people. And Jesus came as the perfect person. Son of God. To be put to death and be raised to new life. We can't do that. But we can enter into it. And God says, as we put our faith in what Jesus Christ did, we become his sons and daughters. He welcomes us and adopts us into his family. We can't do that. God can do that. And then we have an opportunity to rejoice as God's people. right? Despite what is happening around us, despite what your circumstances are this morning, how you came in here, what you know you have to face when you leave here, we're going to take a few minutes, moments even, to rejoice, to take joy in who God is as we take the elements together and then as we sing to close our service. And so we will do these three things this morning. So excited to be able to do that with you. Isn't that cool? <laughs> um, 
here's how communion works in our church. Let me, I'll just give you just a few of the logistics so you know what's going on if you've never been here. Uh, we have these tables set up here. A couple of the elders are going to come up. Um, after I pray, the band will play a song, and you can just come as you're ready, right? You can just come up, walk right down the aisles, um, and be served a cracker and a cup. And this table is open to anyone who has put their faith in Jesus Christ. If you're here this morning and you're not regularly with us, but you have put your faith in Christ Jesus, and you believe that he died for you and was raised to do life, and you are now a part of God's family, come and do this with us, please. We invite you. Um, but we also know that, that uh, everybody's not in the same place, and that if you, you haven't fully said, you know, I don't know. I'm, I still, I don't know if I understand this whole thing, and I don't know if I'm ready to jump in. That's okay. It's totally fine. Right? Just, we encourage you to sit at your seat. Just take a few moments. The band's going to play, and they always do a wonderful job. You just enjoy the music as, as people come forward. So you can just, and then as, uh, as parents, we trust that you know where your kids are at spiritually. So if um, some of the younger kids who are here with us still this morning, um, we trust that you have that conversation with them and that you understand. And so, so you can bring them to the table um, as you guys see fit. Let's remember and revere and rejoice together. Will you pray with me?